Welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Justin Box. Okay, so we're going to look at Matthew 4, 18 to 22. It'll be up on the screen. Some may not get up there um, because my process of putting my message together. Some get in, some don't, so that's cool. Okay, Matthew 4, 18 to 22. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Makes sense. And he said to them, Jesus said, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Verse 20. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. There was something on Jesus. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Verse 21. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James and uh, he saw two brothers, James and the son of Zebedee and his wow. John, his brother, in the boat. I learned um, the NIV and now this is just throwing me because I've got a different translation. Going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Again, immediately they left their boat and followed their, and their father and followed him. That's phenomenal, this story. So, so we've got Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, and James of John. And Jesus said, hey, follow me. And immediately they left everything they knew, everything they'd, they'd been brought up, their, their, their dad was probably a fisherman. Their grandfather was a fisherman. It's just something that was inbuilt within them. And, and the words of Jesus, because it carried such kindness and grace, it compelled them to, to leave their nets in their life and follow Jesus. Massive. So that was Peter's first introduction, encountering Jesus. Let's fast forward a long time. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 5. So we're going to fast forward that three and a half years and then into the resurrection, uh, the death and resurrection, and then into the early church and Jesus going into heaven and then the apostles starting to do the work that Jesus encouraged them to do, bringing his will and kingdom to every uh, area of culture. And we've got Peter now in Acts chapter 5. So we've got the call of Peter in the boat, leaving everything. And now we fast forward this massive, um, incredible place that he's at in Acts chapter 5. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Their miracles were on the next level, and it freaked people out because they'd never seen it before. They were brought up with religion and text, and this is what you're meant to do. And these guys were actually living it out with kindness and power, so people were actually freaked out and not sure what to do. Miraculous signs that even offended the religious leaders because they had ritual and routine, and they had form without power. They had formulas and rituals and processes to to be coming closer to God, but there was no experience. There was no Greek word, genisko. There was no intimacy. There was no experience in kindness. So they weren't sure and they paused it. So people were freaked out and they didn't know what to do. Verse 14, yet more and more, yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. Miracles announce the character and heart of God and that he's still present and involved today. Amen? 
crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Verse 16, crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and some were healed. That's just the pastor's joke that Jude will probably do that as well. It's like a dad joke for pastors. And some of them were healed. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? It's all of them. You know what I mean? And all of them were healed. So you've got to get your head... Sorry. You know when people say you've got to get your head around this? It's this silly idea. Because your heart's the dictator of your life. Your heart's not just an organ. It's the central part of who you are. That's why in Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. For out of it spring the issues of life. Our heart is the central part of who we are. It's not just an organ. It's got memory. It's, it's supernatural. Our heart is supernatural above all else. So when does it get your head around it? Our heads get in the way. We need, we need education. We need logic and reason. We need all that. That's important. We need processes and systems and, and we need all that to bring heaven to earth. But for things that are supernatural, that are unexplainable, that on the day of Pentecost, it was like a mighty rushing wind. It wasn't a mighty rushing wind. It was like a mighty rushing wind when the Holy Spirit fell. What does clothing tongues of fire look like on people's heads? Was it literal? Was it, was it just a picture? Did they see it? Was, was there a scent? Like, I don't know. So get your head around it. We've got to be careful when we say get your head around it. It's like Lee with the finances. We're on a journey together. Get your head around it. Oh, I can't get my head around it. Good. That's where faith is on the other side of you not getting head around it. And we go on a journey of trust. So I'd rather say let's get our hearts around this. Because above all else, guard your heart with all diligence. Diligence, look up that word diligence. It's not just to guard your heart if you feel like it. It's guard your heart with everything you've got because your life depends on it. What he's put in you depends on you guarding your heart. Because things come in through the mind. It's filtered through the mind. That's normal and logic. It's, that's reasonable for us to embrace. It's filtered through a thought. Like the prophetic's filtered through a thought. The message is filtered through a thought. You listening to this is first filtered through a thought. But then it, it makes its way into the heart. And we talk about this thing, about we, this 18-inch journey of getting from our head to our heart, head knowledge and heart revelation. And you could look at the Old Testament as something like head knowledge and, and, and few really pressed into the heart connection with the Lord. Abraham, Moses, David, these sort of guys, they, they, they went beyond the veil, so to speak. So get your hearts around it. Peter is doing his thing. He, he's aware of the, of, the, of the system in place in the day with the religious leaders and their processes in the synagogues. He's aware of it all, the history. He's taught about it, the, the prayers before he goes to bed. But then this Jesus appears and we know that when Jesus opens his mouth, people experience kindness. Like in the synagogue in Luke 4, what's it about this? The gracious words flowing from his mouth. And we know that the word grace means kindness in the Greek, charis. So people experience kindness and something inside Peter came alive and he followed Jesus. Now, he's there. Like if you talk about mature Christian, he's, he's at level one. 
He's following. He's here. He's right here. And that's it. Immediately he followed him and that's where we've left it today. So then we fast forward, like for Peter, way over here. And something happened in the middle of this where I don't want to say Peter got so close to God because that gets weird. But there was a whole lot of stuff that happened in Peter that the Bible says that they would lay people in the streets so that Peter's shadow might fall on them and they would be healed. So can you see this, this, this dude in a boat fishing for his family and that's all he knows. That's, his, that's a means to an end, fishing, awesome. He would have had family, whatever, all great. And then we look over there, however it was long, I should have, I'll just say six or eight years from that moment. I guess I should know that. I'm a pastor, apparently. Um, but I'm normally pretty good on the old stats. But anyway, anyway, that period of time. And we see like his shadow. Like Peter's shadow, he's a person. And if we look at Paul, we can look at Paul in Acts 7, 57 and 58 at the stoning of Stephen. The Bible says, and there was a young man named Saul, because he had a name change. There was a young man named Saul, and just in translation, he gave approval to the stoning of Stephen, and they laid their clothes, throwing, took the jackets off to throw, at Saul's feet. That's what the Bible says. And then we fast forward to Acts chapter 19. So we've got Saul, a terrorist, um, psychopath, serial killer, not just spicing it, way worse than we all realise back in that day, killing Christians. So we've got Saul and we had Simon in the boat, Simon and Saul. And we have Peter's shadow healing people and we've got Saul murdering Christians, ageless, just murdering Christians. But then we fast forward to Acts chapter 19 and it says that, and God was doing extraordinary miracles through Paul so much so that they would take aprons and handkerchiefs that touched Paul and would take them to the sick and they would be healed. But we've got Saul murdering people. We've got Peter in a boat. And then we've got over here, we've got Peter. You've got dreams in your heart. Like you've got things in your heart that God put in there. And it's time to let them up and out. It's time. And we've heard these kinds of messages. You've cried under these types of messages. Something's happened in you with these types of messages. But we, it doesn't mean that we stop or say, well, you should have done this. I'm, I, I feel the Lord on this so strongly that he's saying, hey, Peter started somewhere and Saul started somewhere, and look at what happened. Peter's shadow is healing people, and Paul's handkerchiefs and aprons, not, not even his, were taken. Maybe they were his as an apron because he was a tent maker. Maybe it was that, and his handkerchief from the tent making, probably. And they'd take him, and people would be healed. And we've got this, this incredible story and truth of Peter, Simon and Saul, and Peter and Paul. Name changes, both started somewhere. And I feel like the Lord's saying that it's time for us 
to get deliberate with our journey. It's time for us to get deliberate with the process. Because what, what stood in the, the, there's a really great, there's an elephant in the room in all of our lives. There's an elephant in the room. It is where we are right now and where we actually want to be, what we want to achieve. And that, that, that middle is called a process and it's called a journey. It's a chasm, it's a gap, it's large and it's scary sometimes. And I want to talk today and encourage you about that the journey is not as scary as it seems because the journey is not meant to be feared, it's meant to be embraced because the Lord is not wanting us to be outcome focused, He wants us to be process focused. And if we can become process focused, we'll learn that the journey is beautiful the journey has breakthrough and victory all the way through it, that it's not this weird robotic thing of ticking boxes and one day we'll magically wake up and I will be the person that I've always dreamed to be. Because having a destination mindset actually cripples you because you don't know how the steps and the habits and the disciplines and all the things that you need to do to get there. Make no mistake, you've got to do things to get there, but we can get weird about what that actually looks like. Do you think Simon in the boat had this thing since he was a baby that he wanted his shadow to heal someone? Do you think that that Saul, when he was um, watching people being slaughtered to death and nodding his approval, <laughs> had this thing in his heart that, that I want handkerchiefs and aprons to actually cause demonic spirits, which were in me and fueling all that, to heal people. Do you, like he, he wouldn't have had that. He, he didn't have this locked in, this is what it has to look like. So I'm not saying that this is 100% concrete, cannot change. But we've all got dreams and desires and a word that I've been using is a, a picture of success. It's common in organisations and businesses. It's important that we've, we've got dreams and goals and we've all got a picture of success. We've got an idea of what success looks like. We've got an idea of what we want our life to look like. We've got an idea of the way that we want to be perceived and known and felt around people. We've got an idea of those dreams and desires. That's, that's all true and right. But we can't know exactly what it's going to look like. And, and if we only focus on that and it's fixed and it's concrete, we miss out on this whole beautiful thing called the journey. It's called the process of, of becoming like him. Because everybody's got potential. Every person's got potential. Every business on the planet has potential. Every church on the planet has potential. Every person has dreams and goals. Every business has dreams and goals. And every church has dreams and goals. There is a goal and there is a dream. There is an outcome in mind. There has to be an outcome in mind. There's got to be some, some, something that you can identify and articulate. This is what I want from my life. And that verse about the shadow was, was in me really um, strongly way before I understood that miracles could be possible and even into normal as a Christian. 
It was built in me um, early on when I met Jesus. I didn't understand it, but I read it and I said, I want to be that. I want to do that. that. That marked me early on. I said yes to Jesus in 2002 and probably in 2003 or 4 or 5, that verse started to do something in me and I didn't know what to do. I didn't see it around me. I didn't know what to do. It was almost fanciful. But you, so I didn't have an outcome. I didn't say, well, yes, I 100% want my shadow to heal someone, even though I did, but I wasn't sure if it was going to happen. So I just committed to this process of learning and growing. And now since then, we've seen like, hundreds of miracles just outside of the church and it's it's still not where I want to be but the journey is amazing the journey is pivotal the journey is really important make no mistake God's got a picture of success we've got to have a picture of success for our life his picture of success is Matthew 28 Go and make disciples of all nations. His picture of success is Mark 16. Go and announce the good news of the kingdom and demonstrate it as well. His picture of success is, hey, you've got faith in me. Awesome. If you do, you are actually going to do greater works than me because I go to the Father. And what does that do? It releases the Holy Spirit. And what does that do? Empowers you to do the works of Jesus and then some. He's got a picture of success. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Is it concrete and exactly how we want it? Do we know how all that's going to happen? Of course not. But there is a picture of success. And these are all outcomes and he loves outcomes. He came for outcomes and he died for outcomes. But I feel like the Lord's shouting today that he's equally concerned about the journey. Like equally concerned, I'm tempted to say he's more concerned, but I'm not going to say that. Because he knows that if the journey's embraced, the outcome's inevitable. And often we fear the unknown and we fear the effort and the work that it's going to take and we get into us mode rather than bringing him in on the journey. So I'd love, I'd love asking a question, how's your journey? How's your process? We can put this onto everything. We've been talking about friendship with God, upgrading from sons and daughters to friends. How's that going? I've only been a week, mate, um, but, um, <laughs> which is fine. Um, how's your journey of you becoming friends with God? How's your journey into living a miraculous life where miracles are normal every day? Because it has to start somewhere. How's your journey in growing in the prophetic? The amount of people that came up to me when we did the prophetic booths, when Bethel team came out, we had 40 students here and people are just getting rocked by words and encouragement and they're like, I want to do that. I'm like, yeah, they're not special. They've just gone on a journey and a process. They've put aside time, three years. That's, we're, we're living in bursts here. We're at church two hours a week and the school, one and a half hours. That's, what's that? Three and a half hours, four hours a week. We're together, learning, growing together. And then your quiet time on your own. It's about 40 hours, isn't it? Um, <laughs> joking. Um, mine isn't. Um, so we've, and they're away for three years. Yeah? Non-stop, all day. So we can, compa- we can get into comparison and say, I want to be like that. And I'm like, they've, that's different, but you can still get this. And if you can embrace the journey, you can get there. The hunger around that prophetic, just the prophetic is incredible. 
I know the hunger from you guys that want to do it. I was in the coffee shop the other day with Ken, having a double shot latte, three quarter, one sugar in a takeaway cup. And we were having a great conversation. And I had the thought that this girl was an artist. Creativity was there. You have thoughts. Artists there, creativity. So I don't know where the thoughts are, but I'm just thinking. And it's like, what am I going to do? I reckon in my life, um, just to encourage you, that I, first time I came here, I was hungover in 2001. I was hungover, long hair, amazing long hair. <laughs> I'm going to have a mane in heaven. <laughs> Can you pitch me in heaven with a mane saying, um, it's, Jesus is like, we can organise that, yep. He, he's standing. No, no. Um, where was I? Drunk. I was drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I, I don't think I was drunk, but I was, because I made really bad choices, I really made, I made really bad choices because I didn't know who I was and I didn't know that he saw me, knew me and loved me. So I made really bad choices that hurt me and put a wall up because I didn't get him, but now I do, and it's amazing. Coffee shop. So I'm there, and that was 15 years ago. And I'm sitting in a coffee shop, and I wanted my shadow to heal someone. It's still a goal. It's not a picture of success. It's a goal. It's a dream. It's a desire. Because I feel like if... If Moses can radiate the glory where he has to cover his head with a cloth or a veil, and he was Old Testament, and we have that presence that was all over him on his face in me, and the Bible says that we become one with him, then why not? And obviously motive's important, heart, checking our heart's important. So often, I love how Bill says that often we're not ready for his blessing because it'll crush us. Full on. He, he knows what you can handle, including blessing. We just talk about the temptations too much. He won't give you much more than you can handle. That's true, but why are we just negative focused? What about his withholding blessing because it'll crush you because you're on a journey and he knows when to release. Galatians 6, for at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest. Do not become weary. Yep, come on. Do not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time you'll reap a harvest, comma, if you don't give up. We've got to embrace this journey. We've got to embrace the process, because the journey and process will lead to an outcome. So I was in this coffee shop, and I'm like, artist, creativity, and I'm like, come to church, hungover. Now I'm affected by something different, and it's the Lord. <laughs> and I reckon I've seen, let's be conservative, a hundred accurate words of knowledge for people that don't know Jesus in public, and probably at least a hundred wrong, which is really important for the journey. Because we learn how he speaks. What was my motive? Why did I say that? Was it right? And they lied. That's happened a lot. 
because they're not sure. You're a weirdo. Why do you know that about me? So, hey, God told me. And he's like, nah. Like I offered to pray for someone. I'm getting to the coffee shop. Coffee shop. But I, um, I prayed for a guy. Oh, no, I didn't. I, I, I went to the gym. You obviously know I've been going to the gym. Um, <laughs> and... Um, And, um, and I, I went out of the gym and there was a guy limping full on. Uh, this was Saturday? Public holiday, Monday. Um, and I went up to him and I said, hey, what's going on? In different language. Um, and he said this, this and this. And I said, hey, could I pray for you? And he's like, what? He was probably about 55. Um, I said, could I pray for you? And he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, Jesus. And then he didn't really understand when I said Jesus. And I said, oh, this is bold. I said, I guarantee you'll feel improvement. Because when, when we see it, you know, our faith grows. It's like, oh, he, I've seen him heal 30 knees in the last five years. So if you've got a knee problem now, just put your hand on your knee. Let's do that right now. If you've got a knee problem, just put your hand on your knee. Thanks, God. Yeah, yeah we thank you, God. Yeah, that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, which means do it again. And just begin to move it around. Thank you, God. So I offered to pray for him. And I said, I guarantee you. And he goes, what? What do you mean? I said, Jesus. And he laughed in my face and said, no. I'm like, okay. I probably could have done that as well. Like, that's his reaction. So that was Monday. And then in the coffee shop with Ken, I'm just thinking creativity and artist. And I'm like hey, I did fumble through it, make no mistake. It was probably the worst, I, I promise you, it was the worst delivery I've ever done. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Just, you know, you just could, yeah, yeah. Ugh, but it was good. Um, but then I said, hey, I'm feeling this. And I just, I, my heart is to explain that God speaks to us for people so that you feel known by the person who made you. And I'm like, yeah. Anyway, we had probably a 10-minute chat with her because it was correct. It was right on the money. So Monday I'm saying, he laughs at me, no. And then on, during the week, Wednesday it might have been, we're, we're just like sharing God's heart for this person. And we had this massive chat about how, she, I said, is it a passion? She's like, yeah, it's a passion. I don't do it. And I'm like, yeah, God. And I want to ask her, like, how did that make you feel? So next time I go in, I'm just going to ask her, like, what? And she was super blessed and encouraged by it. And we're in relationship with them. We're not going in, kicking doors down. This is what you got to do. It's like, hey, let's demonstrate kindness and power. Kindness and power. Can we say that together? Kindness and power. If we need to, if you need to do, if you can just keep that. Chris, if you've got to get a tattoo that says kindness and power, do it. Oh, I'm going to have chats after church today, aren't I? We need to spray paint kindness and power like kindness and power. Can we say that again? Kindness and power. It's what Jesus walked in. It's what he modeled. And it's what Peter went into. It's what Paul went into. From a murderer into kindness. From a fisherman into kindness. From a murderer into power. From a fisherman into power. And it didn't just happen. I've got a couple of points and we'll probably move into this next week. But... I've got a few points that I want to encourage with this whole process. One is that we've got to, and I've mentioned it a bit, but I want to hit it a bit further. We've got to 
deliberately go after replacing having an outcome mindset with a process mindset. Because the journey is special and amazing and he's doing things in you that he can't do in any other season. Every season is pivotal for you. He wastes nothing. He wastes no season. That's why Paul says, consider it all joy. When you face trials of many kinds, brothers, because it's doing something in you that when you're on the top of a mountain and everything's perfect, cannot do in you. Romans 5, we exult in tribulations. Are you crazy? We exult in tribulations, knowing that the testing of our faith, proven character and character hope. He's working in your character so your picture of success and your goal can actually happen because it's going to happen through you. And if you're not able to handle it, it'll actually hurt you more if you're not ready for it. Because the picture of success and the dreams and the goals in your life are actually going to happen through you. They're not going to happen to you. They're actually, the, the way God works is that all the stuff that you want to see, he wants to do it through you. And often we, we think that I'm just going to pray religious prayers here if it's your will prayers and sort of live at a distant and push everything into the sovereignty of God, which means he'll do what he wants when he wants. If he wants my back healed, then I'll be healed. If this family disconnect, if he wants that mended, then he'll do it. And we push all responsibility onto God and we wonder why nothing happens. But he's actually pulling us into the picture so that we know his heart and will and what his kingdom's about and we can live closely and intimately with him like friends because he wants to do all of those things through you. And if he wants to do it through you, there has to be a capacity for it to come through you. That's why the fruits of the Spirit are more important than the gifts. Because if you lack self-control, which I did, and move in power, it will blow up and last a season. His grace and kindness is amazing, but it can only last a season. Why? Because it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. That's why we talk about nothing hidden. That's why we talk about vulnerability and authenticity and transparency and honesty so that people can see you, so that God can come in. Like Peter, Paul says, I think it's in Ephesians, like expose the fruitless deeds of darkness so that the light can come in and we can come alive. Because he wants to do that list through you. And if we cannot, um, if we don't commit to the process of our character being um, strengthened and made and becoming like Jesus and learning all of these attributes that we would have at a leadership seminar, teachability, humility, embracing feedback, all these sorts of things. If we don't have that, we can't actually grow. And if we don't grow, that's never going to happen. And again, again, that's not concrete. And the process is full of gold. We've, we've got to get this. That the process is full of gold. The process is full of excitement. I've got a picture in my heart that isn't concrete of what I want worship to look like. Are we there now? No, we're not. Was this morning incredible? Shivers, it was amazing. 
Did you feel the pop when Moise started leading and people are going, oh, I'm a bit more confident now. Come on. I said to Jimmy, I said, you need to take two steps forward, mate. Because I know what's in there. We had a revival group and we were talking about worship and, and 10 out of the 12 people said, I don't worship how I really want to on Sunday mornings. And that's real. And I'm not, I don't want to pastor a circus. Not interested in pastoring a circus. <laughs> but I'm okay with you worshipping the way you want to worship. Am I going to purposefully try and distract people? No. I'm aware of that. I don't want to distract people from the Lord. But I want to worship freely. We went to Milford Sound in New Zealand. And everyone's talking about Milford Sound and how amazing Milford Sound is. And hey, Milford Sound's amazing. You should go to Milford Sound. Have you, hey, have you been to Milford Sound? Make sure. You, are you going to North Island, South Island? South Island. Well, make sure you go to Milford Sound. Cool, mate. Thanks, Mike. Mike Smith. He said it to me about 50 times. Love you, Mike. <laughs> passionate, passionate about Milford Sound. Actually got offered to be the, the uh, 2019 representative for Milford Sound. No, he didn't. So he's saying Milford Sound, Milford Sound, Milford Sound. I'm saying, wow, this is it's like the movie. Hey, this movie is the greatest movie that you will ever see. And you go there and you're like, it's pretty good. Car ride was better. So we're driving into Milford Sound and it's still snowing and because it's high up, there's still snow and ice and everything. And I'm like, far out. Look at these mountains. And we're stopping like every five minutes and Lee's saying, it's, we've got Bella in the car. We're going around these mountains, like in this little, tiny little compact rental car. And people, you go TripAdvisor, do not drive it. But then you read a lot and they're saying it's fine. So we're driving all these like, roads and, and there's coaches and we're a little car. I mean, a coach, come on, it's fine. So we're just going down and we're stopping every five minutes and we're like, we're going to Milford Sound though because Milford Sound's the greatest thing that you'll ever see in your whole life. But we can't, we can't not stop at this view that's smacking me in the face because I've never seen anything like it. Like we've been to the Rockies, which is apparently a seventh natural wonder of the world. And I'm like, this is crushing it. And it's three hours away. And we're stunned. I'm like, I can't believe it. Pull over. I'm driving. Pull over. Quick, grab my phone. Are you going to come? No, stay there with Bella. And we're just nonstop taking photos, taking it in. Amazing. And we're all the way to Milford Sound. Took like an extra, people say, like, take an extra three hours because on the way is amazing. And I got to Milford Sound. I'm like, Milford Sound is amazing, but the journey there for me, and I said it to Mike, (laughs) with a bit of spite, which is a bit yuck, 10% in there. And I said to him, hey, mate, the journey was better. Because things are happening in the journey. The outcome's the outcome. We can't put faith in an outcome because the outcome's not a person. We put our faith and our hope in a person, Jesus, in the process, knowing that we're walking with him and doing life with him and becoming closer with him and becoming friends and understanding what he's doing so that it positions us to keep taking steps.